Welcome to the PW Torch Daily Cast Saturday Doubleheader for March 2nd, 2024. Today we begin with Nick and Tom's intercontinental adventure with their review of the Elimination Chamber and all the fallout since then, including some WrestleMania developments. And then from there we jump back five years to the March 5th, 2019 episode of the Livecast featuring Mike McMahon and Andrew Sochak. They talked about Impact Wrestling re-signing multiple talents, including Sammy Callahan, Moose, and Rosemary. They also discussed Madison Rain's return to the company and analyzed that week's edition of Impact Wrestling. They also talk about AEW as it continued to develop its plans with rumors of a TV deal and uh, and, and what kind of game plan they'd have. Also, uh, news on MLW and more. So let's get to it. First up, Nick and Tom with an all-new episode. Throw out words like that. I didn't like it, Tom. There's a lot I don't like. I've noticed that about you. You're just not a fan of things. I really don't like that sweatshirt you're wearing. Am I allowed to say that? Well, you're allowed to say whatever you want, which is mean. You look like it. No, because it reminds me of, like you're wearing one of the cloaks from Traders. You know, when you go in there. Have you ever seen Traders? Nope. Started in the UK, your people. And it's come to America, yes, and I know two people on the traders. And I can tell you this, one of them is a real-life trader. That's all. Oh, traitors, right, okay. I thought you meant traders as in Trader Joe's. No. As in people who trade. The other traders. Traitors, yeah, okay. The one whose reputation was rightfully ruined on the show. I'll talk to people on Twitter if they'd like. I'm sure they will. That's a bit of a... A bit of drama. And talking about drama, this is going to pivot us directly into both our introduction and our detroduction, unfortunately. Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure is what you're listening to right now on the PW Torch Daily Cast. And Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, unfortunately, has a shorter lifespan than you might imagine. We are going terminal, guys. We are having the full breakdown. It is going to be over sooner than you can possibly imagine. The show before WrestleMania will be the final installment of Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. That means this month... We will be leaving PW Torch, or at least this show will be leaving PW Torch, and it will be finished entirely. There will be no Nick and Toms. The Intercontinental Adventure has taken three and a half, well, nearly three and a half years, and we've loved every second of it, but it has to wrap up eventually. So before we get started here, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone over the last three years who's reached out, who's told us how much they've enjoyed it, who's popped up on the YouTube channel or popped up on Twitter, or even if you've just lurked in the background listening to one every two, three months. Thank you very kindly for giving us the time of day, for inviting us even briefly into your lives and for enjoying wrestling with us. Uh, I will do a proper sign off close at a time because I don't want to get emotional here. This show has been a very refreshing and reassuring part of my life that started during quite a tough time and gave me a bit of extra stability that I found very, very worthwhile. But different things are on the horizon. My priorities over the last three years have definitely changed given people that I've met and things that I've experienced. And for me, just speaking on my angle, it is time to call it a day, Nick. What? Nothing? You have nothing. Well, okay, we're ending. Thanks, Tom. No, you know me. <clears throat> it's sad. Listen, it's it's, it's going to be – but I'm a big believer in new beginnings, seriously, and I think you're right. We're going to have a lot of reflection time in the next four weeks. Um, 
This was amazing, Tom. This was an amazing run. I remember very clearly our first show. I took a selfie of us right before we started. And I have that selfie. And uh, we're going to we're going to post that on the day of the last show. We're going to ask that that with the link, we're going to ask Wade and folks to to add that to the um, to the Twitter. And uh, well, I'm going to miss this as a a Saturday morning routine uh, for for me to record with you in the later afternoon where you are. And I think actually. You know, I wouldn't use the word trailblazers, but I think that we have set a a new course for how wrestling is evaluated. Um, I've heard that from many people over the uh, the past couple of years, particularly lately. I think we've taken it on um, more from a uh, maybe a philosophical lens would be the right way of saying it. I don't. I think uh, we're we're viewing wrestling from a very different human perspective, and I think that that's been a of great benefit to our show, to our experience and our friendship and to PW torch. So, uh, there's going to be a lot of reflection, uh, as I said, um, particularly on that that last run. But how exciting to have our last episode be a WrestleMania pre-show. I think that's just great. And to leave it there, because as I've always said on this show a million times, there's nothing better than the anticipation of you know something going forward. So maybe we only have three shows left. I don't know, depending on how we we do this thing. But uh, yeah, we got we're going to have a fun, fun last month. We've had a fun three and a quarter years. We're going to have a fun hour coming up. As long as you just don't shut up. You want me to just not shut up? Just don't shut up. Just keep talking, Tom. Just keep talking. If I keep talking, it never ends. Is that right? It's always going to be fun. I get the feeling that last show is going to have a bit of that, where I just want to cover one more, just one more, just one more topic, just one more topic, just one more topic. You know what that's like, the ending of the Golden Girls. Did you ever see that? No. When Dorothy leaves the room, and then she comes back for one last hug, then she leaves. And then she comes back for one last hug. Then she leaves again, comes back for one last hug. And then what happens, Tom? She leaves. And then they all died. Okay, maybe that's how we end. We just, we just, <laughs> we just <explosion>. die. <laughs> Job done. Very final, putting the absolute period on it, you know. We're going to cover a lot of the uh, greatest hits, so to speak, in later shows. I do want to look back at some of the shows I'm most proud of this quite a few in there that i really remember very fondly curiously enough they're all the ones that nick does not remember i was gonna say you know i have zero recollection of any of these shows i couldn't even tell you what we talked about last week you know why i didn't do a show last week there you go that's why that's why the show before was elimination chamber uh, preview so we will be talking a little bit of elimination chamber in here you will of course this will be our last reaction to a ple we won't be doing wrestlemania uh, reactions so we're going to talk Elimination Chamber. We're going to talk Rock and Cody. We're going to talk about what this potentially means for WrestleMania, a little bit about Bailey. But I want to start by jumping in on Elimination Chamber, because if you listen to how we opened the show uh, today, Nick has some thoughts. Now, Nick, when it comes to Elimination Chamber, what did you think? I hated it. I got my butt out of that bed at 5 a.m. Well, actually, full disclosure, the dog got me up to go pee. And that was the only, you know, go into the bathroom that was being done around me during that show. Um, I didn't enjoy the show. Um, you know, there's uh, one of the things we have talked a lot about, and we actually talked about it in the lead up to the show was, you know, predictability isn't such a bad thing. Yeah. This felt like a bad thing to me. Um, it felt like I, I really didn't mind being up that early watching wrestling, but it the speed bump as Elimination Chamber is to WrestleMania didn't even feel um, interesting. It felt like when you pass, when you drive through a red light and didn't realize it was there. Um, and you're like, oh, oh, well, well, that happened. Hope I don't get a ticket sent to me in the mail. That was the Elimination Chamber for me this year because it was 
so lacking real progress. Um, couple notes just for, just for me. If I were in the audience, I would have been really disappointed if that's the show that I saw. Not that I thought the women's uh, Elimination Chamber match was was very good. I thought that was in many ways my favorite match of the show. Um, the tag team match was was fine. I don't think it was nearly as great as the, you know, the reactions that I saw on Twitter. It was it was good. It was fine. It was uneventful and unremarkable um, in its outcome. Um the long segment with Cody Rhodes was pointless, and I thought, like, just a total filler. And you have this whole show with lots of time and tons of people and beautiful production, and that's the best you could come up with. Um, and quite frankly, the men's elimination chamber didn't do anything for me. Right result could have got there in a more exciting kind of fashion. So um, it did not have the electricity for me that last year's elimination chamber was but you as the old expression goes can't reheat a souffle but you should be more prepared for for this run to WrestleMania to make that show if you're going to have it feel more special did not love the ending with Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax there was such uh the the moment that was left on the table or on the cutting room floor whichever expression you want to go with was Rhea and uh Becky Lynch staring each other down now, as you rightfully pointed out, Tom, they had already all but announced that from the WrestleMania press conference and whatnot. But this was the visual that was needed. And um, it just didn't it just didn't get there. And by the way, I don't know if it was my TV, which it is entirely possible because, you know, sometimes TVs modulate in a certain way. I didn't hear the Rhea Ripley reaction that people were writing about on Twitter. It just it didn't seem electric to me. It felt like. Honestly, a pointless um, premium live event that no one will ever go back and watch a single clip from again. That's what I thought about it for this year. So to lay out what I think in much the same way as you have, I love the women's elimination chamber. I think that was a great match. I really liked how high flying and intense they were. I love Tiffany Stratton. I've not seen much of her work, so it was nice to see uh, a little more there. I think Bianca Belair showed up in the same way that she always does. And I think Liv Morgan was particularly impressive. I like that they recognized how predictable the finish was, so they made sure it was quick. We finished with Bianca, Liv, and Becky in the ring, and five seconds later, Becky had won. And I like that. Once things started rolling, things kept rolling. There was a possibility that fans would have turned on Becky in that moment. I think there was definitely a possibility of that. So they've been extremely clever. They've also really reheated Liv Morgan on the back of it. Like, they really reheated her. Pinning Bianca Belair, pinning Tiffany Stratton, she was shown to be a credible threat, and she really rose to that occasion. I like that she has a clear story going forward. This revenge tour will work for her. The tag match, didn't really watch it. I have my reasons, I won't go into them, but didn't really watch it. Um, I basically just focus on the people in my watch-along, and thankfully there are enough people in the watch-along to keep me from having to actually watch the show. The, oh, the Grayson Waller effect is where it all fell apart for me. Just all fell apart. The tempo slowed to an utter crawl. And that stayed true for the rest of the night. That was completely unnecessary. We look at what The Rock's promos have been recently. They've been bloated as hell. That segment didn't have The Rock and it was still incredibly bloated. It's telling me everything I need to know about the WrestleMania main events, one and two, for this year. They are going to be so slow because it's not just The Rock that's slow. It's not just the Roman uh, Roman Reigns that's slow. It's going to be Seth and it's going to be Cody slow as well because that's exactly what they were. It was slow. 
we get then to the men's chamber match. I think this wasn't as predictable. A lot of people expected Drew, but the news about his contract certainly raised a couple of questions. I like how involved Randy Orton was. The play up of the injury was good and really did suggest, oh, maybe he is going to have a comeback here. Outside of Logan Paul, nothing interesting happened in that match. For me, everything interesting that happened was about Logan Paul. I'm not really interested in AJ versus LA Knight. I'm not as invested as LA Knight as a lot of people are. And despite believing AJ Styles is the best wrestler in the world, I'm not as invested in AJ Styles as I have been. I still don't understand why he turned heel. I still have no idea. Spoiler alert, no one's actually invested in either one of those people anymore. Yeah, and that's just awkward for everyone involved. Drew won, right winner, as you say. Took a long time to get there. It seemed unnecessary. And then, yeah, the main event. There was definitely a reaction for Rhea Ripley. It wasn't as intense, but I think you're right. Sometimes things don't play out on TV as they do in arenas. So I want to give the benefit of the doubt there. Sometimes they don't mic up the crowd quite well enough. The match, it felt like a WWE main event in that Nia Jax was playing the Roman Reigns role. Slow, methodical, not selling anything in particular, kind of dull. If it was a match on any other card, people wouldn't care. Right. That's a shame. I think Nia Jax has done really well since coming back. I think Rhea Ripley's about to hit the stratosphere. But outside of Australia, that much doesn't mean event. That much barely happens. You know, I was I have a thought, Tom. I'm curious. To you. You're seeing this um, little backlash going against Becky Lynch on yeah. uh, Twitter. You know, yeah. you can just see it. It's like yeah, when, it's when, the side, when the tide started turning on Charlotte, when like a little groundswell of, you know, um, resentment towards yeah. opportunity and blah, blah, blah. I, I have to say, I, I, I just chuckled to myself uh, of like, so this is what we're doing now. So now we're just yeah. we're. Just, but I have to say this long people with long memories and accurate memories is important. Well, remember, this is actually what happened to The Rock back in yeah. 2000. Um, this is actually what happened really to Steve Austin when he turned heel, when all these other keyboard warriors are out there, you know, rewriting history about Steve Austin turning heel and how it was the worst decision that was ever made, blah, blah, blah. Um, not recognizing that like people were tuning out on Steve Austin and having a much less, you know, visceral response to him. Um, in fact, just, just jump in there. Steve Austin's success was based on being injured. He was out of the picture for long enough that people didn't get bored of him. Sorry, continue. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, regardless, uh, you know, so watching this, I don't think Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch anymore is going to headline night one. Um, and I would love to hear what your take on that is. But, you know, if I'm watching the Rhea Ripley response in Australia, yes, the mics might have been different. Yes, the arena might actually have been set up. It's very, very open air. So a lot of the noise might have just gone out the top. Um, but if I'm WWE, this ain't this ain't the year to put them in, in the main event. And, you know, I'm curious, Tom, when you say Rhea Ripley is going to go into the stratosphere, I want to know what that looks like, because to me, I, there's always a cap on what the stratosphere looks like for the women's wrestlers is the way that the uh, the shows are set right now. And I don't know what that looks like for her. There's after Becky, like, you know, there are some really good opponents for her in waiting, but um what does that mean to you that she's going to go into the stratosphere? So firstly, touching on the main event mentioned there, um, I can only speak on this platform about my opinion. My opinion was that Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch would main event night one until CM Punk returned. Then it was transferred to Seth versus Punk until Punk got injured. Then it's been transferred to The Rock and Roman Reigns versus Seth and Cody. That's what I see. Um, The Rock and Roman Reigns, sorry, 
Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes are going to main event night one and night two of WrestleMania. That's what I see happening. Yeah. With Seth Rollins doing double duty as well. I think Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley opens WrestleMania, which is still a great position to be in. And historically, it's become Becky's position. Mm. If you think back to SummerSlam, when she lost to Bianca Belair, she opened SummerSlam. That's just become her position over the years. She opened shows and overall, she seems pretty happy with that. When it comes to the stratosphere and that concept, beating Becky Lynch is going to kick off a much better year for Rhea Ripley. Primarily because if you look back over the last year, one of the biggest issues with Rhea Ripley and her title run is that she wasn't beating big names because there weren't any big names. Raw was seriously lacking in top-level competitors with Becky Lynch out of the picture. Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley, you could see it a year ago. You really could. Now, going forwards, the WWE have heated up a lot more people. A lot more people. Nia Jax is genuinely uh, a threat, and I do believe she's deserving of being higher up in there. I certainly think Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax was more impactful than Rhea Ripley versus Zelina Vega to a neutral fan, for example. I also think you look at Jade Cargill, you look at Bianca Belair, you look at Liv Morgan, you look at Tiffany Stratton. That's before we get to Bailey, to EO Sky, to Dakota Kai, who's just had a reheat on SmackDown as well. There are more now that can be spread out better in order to keep things interesting and give us a lot more potential interesting matchups. Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley have history, which even if Liv Morgan was not high up the card as she seems to be aiming to, that would make it interesting. You still have the possibility of Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. There are so many opportunities, not mentioning, of course, Naomi, who recently returned. So we've got quite a few bigger name women now who have been more involved, as well as others who've been heated up well, who could come up like a Roxanne Perez and the like as well. So I do feel Rhea Ripley will have that. But also a victory over Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, much like a victory over Charlotte at WrestleMania previously, it really helps to put Rhea Ripley in that position where she's very clearly the top woman in WWE and amongst the top people in WWE. With the appearance in Australia, that's one of those where she has an entire PLE built around her. I agree with you. They should have had Becky have the stare down. But I think it was just having that moment where the entire thing is about Rhea Ripley. And that won't be the last time that happens. WWE know what they've got and they're building a lot around her. She's already there, but I feel going to make it official at WrestleMania. This is, of course, if she beats Becky. But that's definitely what I see happening. Yeah, I see all of that happening. The only part I'm just really curious about is I don't I don't know. I'd be curious to see if it actually does open the WrestleMania that I kind of, you know, went in the WrestleMania is where it goes from night from light into night, um, which Philadelphia will when if you know we start at like seven o'clock. Um, I always feel like the the pre pre matches where the, the night sky has come in. Um, are affected in terms of how they overall look from a perception standpoint. Maybe the exception of that was would be when um, Damage Control debuted at that one SummerSlam. I think yeah. it was in was it in Detroit. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. I also kind of anticipate it on one of the shows. Uh, I guess it would be maybe night two. Seth versus uh, Drew will open a show. I think yes. um, so that. Yeah, maybe that is the the route to go in. And poor Bailey and and EO, which I know we're going to be talking about. That feels intentionally being left to not be in part of a conversation for uh, a, a main event. But maybe after last night, it's unrealistic that that was ever going to happen. But I would argue, I think many more people are interested in Bailey and EO than Rhea and Becky. I really, really do. 
So if I can speak from a bit of experience here, I've been trying to use uh, Twitter a bit more recently. I have done the sign up essentially to make sure that I'm advertising my YouTube and my growth on those channels a bit better and potentially advertising this show a bit better, though in the end, that's not what's going to be happening because the show is coming to an end. So I've been using it in a different way. And one of the ways I've been using it is to post my expectations and to see basically how uh, public opinion is going. I posted about Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley potentially being in contention to main event night one. This is before The Rock returned. There was a huge outpouring of love on that tweet in the quote tweets for Bailey versus EO. Now, that yeah. might just be the audience that I have, but it certainly caught my interest. I don't see a world in which Bailey versus EO was ever going to main event over Becky versus Rhea, over Seth versus CM Punk, over Seth versus whoever, to be fair. I don't see that happening. But as much as anything, and once again, on this platform, this is purely speculation. The damage control storyline will not be over by WrestleMania. I'm not sure Bailey will win, but I'm sure she will eventually have the championship. I think SummerSlam might be Dakota High versus Bailey, certainly after what happened last night. I think WrestleMania until SummerSlam, that's where the damage control story is. Whereas WrestleMania for that one night, that's where the Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley story is. Yeah, I, I would I would anticipate one of the women's championships to change hands. In my head, it is Bailey getting the title. Um, I hear you in in that in that aspect that you know it could just be the beginning. We've seen that at a couple of WrestleManias where a major title exchange um, seemed to be expected. I think this is some of the years when like Chris Jericho was champion and then he retained the championship surprisingly. Even the one year when Charlotte was champion and then she retained it against Ronda surprisingly. There's a couple of stories that WrestleMania isn't the end for everything, right? Everything doesn't just climax in that moment anymore. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I personally would be surprised if Bailey did not win the championship. Rhea Ripley retaining against Becky at this point makes a lot of sense to me. I agree with that. And it's the thing that makes the most sense for WrestleMania for me. To highlight then what I see as the WrestleMania openers and closers, night one is Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley. Night two is Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins versus uh, The Rock and Roman Reigns. No, no, no you, I did that wrong. Sorry. Night one's opener, Becky versus Rhea. Night one's closer, main event, The Rock and Roman versus Cody and Seth. Night two's opener would then be Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. Once again, I do see Damian Priest being the winner there. And night two's main event would be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. That's what I see for the main events. Do you have any uh, addition on that one? Anything you can see? That's what I see away? too. I got to say, that's what I see. And Tom, when, when you're right, you're right. After Elimination Chamber, the United States Championship seems to have pivoted. There was talks as far back as October, I reported on my Twitter way back when, and it's been confirmed by Fightful since, that uh, LA Knight may be the one to challenge Logan Paul. That seems to have pivoted, and we're instead going towards Logan Paul versus Randy Orton. Are you excited about that as a prospect? Well, I'm more excited. I think that that is um, where, quite honestly, Logan Paul, that's that's a sign of his evolution over the past year, year and a half, two years. Um, he has gone from being a novel celebrity who would be, you know, fit comfortably in the L.A. kind of uh, mentality, L.A. world, the Miz type stuff. Um, yeah. But this is a real elevation of him. This is showing that one of the very, very top wrestlers in the WWE to have a, an, an actual feud with them. And I'm going to talk about like the history of WWE and Randy Orton, who still very much has it in terms of the credibility with the audience. Uh, this is this is big and it's it feels worthy. It feels good. It actually feels like an elevation of the United States championship in its own way. I think this works much more. And I 
again, I, I insinuated this and outright said it uh, about 10 minutes ago or so. The L.A. night, the bloom is off that rose. So now he's in the stage where people are going to continue to cheer for him because they cheered for him and because WWE didn't ignore it and they gave him something to chew on. Uh, but this is now he's just going to be and I feel like that legacy to be cheered in, allow in and out, um, keep people happy. But I don't think anyone really cares where LA Knight is on the card right now. I really don't think people care. I think it's unfortunate, but I also can see exactly how we got here. L.A. Knight was getting big pops. He still is. He was pushed up the card because of that. Triple H seemingly reacting to the response of the crowd and making sure that he got two world championship matches. I can't remember anything from those matches about L.A. Knight. No. I can't really think of anything memorable that L.A. Knight has done in that time. Yeah, no. Um, AJ Styles, on the other hand, if I'm him, I'm starting to wonder how much longer I'm doing this for. Um, provocatively, I say this, AJ Styles hasn't had a good match since he, uh, injured his knee or whatever, headed into the Shinsuke Nakamura WrestleMania at 34. I, for me, according to me, I have not enjoyed any of his matches. Um, I, I just don't see it anymore. And I, you know, I was, I go through this season was, I think most wrestling fans do going through past WrestleManias, Royal Rumbles and everything. And I watched the Royal Rumble when, when he made his debut. And then, you know what I watched and really Tom, you know, WrestleMania 32 is the one that everyone hates that and there's no good matches on that car. That was um, Roman versus triple H in Dallas. Yeah. Um, was also the women's triple threat with the horse. Hold, hold, hold. I'm getting there, Tom. Fine, I'm getting fine, there. Fine. Uh, but there's an early match on the card with AJ and Jericho, which at the time, I think the perception was Jericho was almost like too slow for AJ. AJ was like, you know, doing his thing. What a great match that is on a rewatch. And, mm. you know, that's one that does not really um, the star ratings that people <clears throat> have given the show over the years. Don't hold up. It's a very, very good match. And I think it fits more comfortably in the pace of wrestling now. And go back and rewatch that. And then that woman's triple threat. Oh, Tom, is that a good match? Yeah. Those are in many ways. I, I think that that was one of my favorite women's matches ever beyond behind, you know, the ones I've previously called out on here. Uh, but, yeah, I still think maybe that's the best women's WrestleMania match ever. Maybe I think Becky and and um, Bianca had a really really great one at one point. So and leading uh, to Charlotte versus Asuka, as you know. Yeah, too, too short. Too short. That match was for me. Twenty five minute match. No. It was a twenty five minute match. No. Go ahead. But who? That's your favorite. What's your second favorite? Uh, probably is Becky Bianca the second. Thinking WrestleMania. Becky who? The Bianca. <laughs> How about where do you think Charlotte and uh, and uh, uh, Rhea falls? Uh, first one or second one? Second one. Second one was great. I definitely ranked that very highly. I There's a few memorable moments in there, but also I'm a little bit biased. I've been a Rhea Ripley fan for a long time. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Well, as we I actually, going, I'm a, go ahead. I found an article that I wrote on Rhea Ripley for a uh, outlet called Bell to Bell six years ago. Oh, yeah. When she was still in NXT UK. I remember because I shared it and Rhea Ripley found it and shared it as well. And wow. those things stand out. And it was basically just saying, WWE, just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Just let her do it. Yeah. And they did. I wrote a similar thing about Dakota Kai in 2019, talking about when she's a heel, she has a hair down. When mm -hmm. she's a face, she has a hair up. That's a holdover from her days in Japan. 
And uh, look what happened yesterday. Got it right last night, Tom. I thought of you when I saw it last night. Uh, at WrestleMania 34, <clears throat> Charlotte defeated Asuka by submission. 13 minutes and five seconds. Are you kidding me? No, I knew, I'm not trying to be funny. I knew that. That felt like a 25-minute match. No, it didn't for me, which is the problem. Which is funny yeah. how we each enter into spaces. But you, admittedly, are not a wrestling match person. And I'm not That's saying true. that. So I no, 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 I get that. Expectations for each of us for satiating or say, uh, end of a feud match. Yeah. You know, that, that's interesting. I felt very fulfilled by that match. That's all I'll say. Very sports entertained. There you go. Also, the first match of that card, WrestleMania 34, was brilliant. I just, it was a great time. Yeah. I know it was main evented by another Roman versus Brock, and people just hated it, but it was a great time. Hello, dog. Lakota. She wasn't looking dog. at me. We don't use dog. Well, how dare you? That's, oh, look how sweet she is. Okay, go on. Keep going, Tom. <laughs> Uh, she's behaving very well on the recording so far. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to Rock versus Cody. Now, during Elimination Chamber, Cody challenged The Rock to a one-on-one -on -one match, and The Rock said, nah, let's do a tag match instead, which I think is what we were all expecting. On this week's SmackDown, we had 40 minutes of The Rock accusing Arizona of being a whole lot of stuff, whole lot of stuff, really obscene language and phrasing used, to the point that Fox actually cut off the feed several times. So, yeah, no. that was a thing. Yeah. It, but wasn't it because of the signs in the crowd? There were signs in the crowd. There was also a bit of the language used. Oh, OK. Yeah. Or at least that's what I'm reading. Um, we in the UK got the full unedited feed. It, the Rock still feels like a relic at times. Yeah. The way he cuts his promos would have fit perfectly in the year 2000. He's made somewhat homophobic comments about Seth Rollins being Cody's girlfriend. And he continues to, I don't know, he repeated the same clown emoji line three Twice. times about oh, Seth Rollins. Yes, three, yes, yes. it was three. I think he just called him a clown once, then called him an emoji once, but called him a clown emoji first. I don't know, it felt like a, a real exercise in killing time to me. What did you make of the promo? Well, let me say this. So, you know, Tom, I thought that was the segment that closed the show because I was not able to watch SmackDown in in its entirety um, this week. But I was I said, Tom, I watched that closing segment. He goes, you said the opening segment, mate. And that I went, that was the opener of the show. If I were the, if that were the opener, I'd be pissed if I was in that audience. Again, I always put myself in the audience seat. I'm the man of the people. Um, <laughs> then I thought, wow, that is way too long. And oh, no. And what? Um, and and th that positioning, I think, is important because, first of all, it can be, you know, there's part of a charm to the rock character of being that relic, of being that throwback. You know, there's there's this movement lately. I see it a lot on social media of like people posting clips from like 1998 to like maybe 2002, not just wrestling, but just entertainment period going while wow, this would never air today in whatever you know component and rock has as you said to point it out that that edge to him but there's um he doesn't feel rusty to me but he does feel like unedited and he needs an editor it goes too long there is the repetition i totally agree they were their beats they were trying to achieve which was roman reigns facial expressions um i have to say i felt like he roman overacted in that segment i don't yeah. know if you felt that way they I weren't did. as nuanced at all um it just felt i'm gonna say this rock's size 
<clears throat> made Roman look small. And Roman has never looked small to me, and I didn't like that. I felt like Roman looked really ordinary. Now, it could have been the Versace shirt. It could have been the gold and everything, but he didn't. He kind of looked like he was, like, just towering over him. And maybe that works for the story they're telling of Roman, you know, you know needing that moment of acknowledgement. It didn't quite – it was great. It, 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 both things can be true in that it was a great segment – but also you felt like it could have been better. Um, that's where I was with that segment last night. I still think he's the rock and I still think he has incredible pops that are in there. And, you know, we made his entrance. I just kept thinking, well, what if this was the main event? I still think they could have found a way to make it work if we didn't have everybody angry about the Cody stuff. Um, but we're here now. I do think this feels more comfortable to me as a viewer than rock versus Rock versus Cody. I thought the um, stipulations outlined were yeah. relatively uninteresting. Um, and it kind of felt like we're trying to duplicate last year's WrestleMania structure. And I've said that to you before. I think a lot of the Triple H booking is repetitive or duplic duplicative. Um, and I felt like, okay, so we're doing the tag team night one. Then we're doing the the big singles match. In this case, a, do a rerun of Roman versus Cody night two. Um yeah, so there was a lot of great in there, and there was a lot of uh, – I think Solo, the jokes about Solo worked until they became yeah. too too um, distracting and too late in the segment. I think it pulled focus before the big reveals of the expectations of Roman. There's just some things that need to be tightened up in this. I would agree with that. I don't think it was the best promo. I do feel there were some good off-the-cuff moments. Solo Sokoa came out of it looking amazing, and I, I really like that. I think The Rock – stepped out at the right moments to basically just let the moment breathe. He's he's very good at work in negative space. Roman, however, and I've mentioned this before, is demoted by this pairing. I think that's physically. I think that's via charisma. I think we've been celebrating how great Roman is. And then The Rock comes in. You're like, oh, no, that's that's what we wanted. That's what we thought this was. And you see the finished product. Now, don't get me wrong. There are still a few problems that The Rock has. I think his promos and what he says definitely needs to be updated a little bit. But when it comes to Roman, Roman feels like the angsty little brother mm -hmm. who uh, he needs that acknowledgement because he's insecure. Now, that stipulation makes sense to me. I do have The Rock pinning Cody Rhodes in the main event of night one, which will then allow bloodline rules. But I also have The Rock preventing the bloodline from getting too involved because, you know, Roman can handle this and then Roman can't handle this. Also, at the same time, The Rock hasn't signed on for one match. You'll get more matches out of him, and The Rock versus Roman Reigns is definitely coming, but I just don't think the championship will be involved in it when it actually comes around. I think, much like we have a double bloodline this year, we might well still have double bloodlines in the year to come for the main events of WrestleMania. We did last year as well, so who knows on this one. The bloodline story seems set to continue basically forever, let's be fair. So the segment was okay, the stipulations were good. I feel that while it's not going to have much impact on the match, at least gave them something to fight for and gave it a reason to be a main event over, for example, Becky versus Rhea. But it's one of those where so many people are demoted by this arrival. Seth Rollins is demoted by the arrival of The Rock. He wasn't even in this segment, but he's going to be in a main mm -hmm. event. Roman Reigns feels demoted by the association with The Rock. It's Cody feels demoted by the Rock's arrival. This is great for WWE, great for wrestling long term. 
a true Hollywood megastar has returned and he's made everyone around him look smaller for it. Well, I think that I, I'm, I'm choosing to think there could be a more interesting structure to the WrestleMania endings. Um, I'm choosing to think that um, Cody could somehow pull out a win on a night one in the tag match that then leads us to having some way in which Roman can uh, retain on night two. There's again, going to our conversation on predictable predictability for these shows. I don't know. I don't know about having something be so predictable two shows in a row. I just don't. I get what you're saying. WrestleMania, I think, is a long and varied card, and that thankfully will provide some limitation as to the predictability. I think a lot of the matches we can see a predictable outcome. Logan Paul versus Randy Orton is one of those where we can't. I think that gives us some uh, variation on that one. The main events do feel predictable, but I think if you'll recall this time last year, I was saying that the main event for last year's WrestleMania was predictable as well. I expected Cody to beat Roman then, and that did not happen. That was a huge shock to me. So I think there's a balancing act. The last two shows have been predictable. The Royal Rumble was predictable, let's be fair. Four matches, we both got three out of four. For Elimination Chamber, four matches, we got four out of four. WrestleMania will have a bit more variation, but I think it'll be lower down the card than uh, than at the top. And I do think Bailey versus EO isn't as predictable as it seems. You think this is the moment for Roman's title to end? Yeah, because I think the Bloodline storyline can finally stand on its own. It's been built around the championship for a long time, but the bloodline can now stand essentially solo. My concern is where Jey Uso goes from here, because I can see him getting back involved after WrestleMania, after potentially another draft. This is such a waste of him. This but WrestleMania match. No, 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 no. But the, oh, you're talking the, Jay Jimmy. Uh, Tom, there are a few things I hate more than this. There are a few things that I hate more than this. I have to tell you. I think we have the advantage in the main event, if it does go bloodline rules, of knowing that other members of the bloodline are going to be in matches. Jay and Jimmy is an obvious one, but you can eliminate Jimmy from that. You can still potentially have Seth getting involved to level things up against The Rock. Personally, when I'm throwing out predictions, I have a prediction of Bron Breaker versus Solo Sokoa. Bron Breaker is getting the Goldberg push, it seems, or they just ran massively over in that first segment so they didn't have time for an actual wrestling match. But I think Bron Breaker is going to be good for that. What do you think about Braun Breaker versus Gunther? Where do you see Gunther at this point? That's Gunther, what I was thinking. I see Gunther versus Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn oh. largely seems to have been kept in reserve um, to beat Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre ends his contract and heads out. Drew McIntyre has now shifted. His character shifted. I'm confident he's going to be staying with WWE. Um, so I don't see any change there. Sami Zayn still could be on the card. I think he'll go up against Gunther, and I don't think he'll be picking up the win. Okay, that makes sense to me. See, that's why you do what you do. But you're so you're saying Braun Breaker versus Hoomst? No, Losikoa. Hmm. I don't necessarily see Solo in a match. No. No, I think. I mean, he's very much going to be in the main event twice. I think. I mean, the he's going to appear in both main yeah, events. Yeah. He just is. He was too integral to the ending of last year's WrestleMania to not even have that as a hint, even if he's barred from ringside for night two, there will still be a lot of that. So I don't know. Is that necessary? Well, here's why I don't think it's necessary. And here's what my counter to you is. I don't believe Braun Breaker is going to be in a position to lose at WrestleMania. I just don't. And Solo Sokoa, if he's going to be the influencer for the result of the main event, 
can't be losing. So why would we run that match? That would be my my question. Because I don't think he's going to be the influencer in the main event. I think he's going to lose, and that's why he's not the influencer in the main event. I got gotcha. you. I think Jimmy is essentially eliminated from contention by Jay. I think Solo is eliminated from contention. I did originally go Randy Orton for this as a connection to Cody, but I'm leaning more towards Bron Breaker now that Randy Orton's doing something else. That leaves a Rock, who's basically cancelled out by Seth Rollins, and Cody still gets his one-on-one. Don't tell me you think Jay's turning heel. Don't do that. What? No, I think Jay eliminates Jimmy. I hear you. Jay helps Cody. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, there, by the way, there's a situation in my head, which I don't like, but I got to shut this voice up, that Jimmy gets kicked out of the bloodline for Jay. I don't like it. I don't know where it came from. Tell it to go away, Tom. I think, essentially, Jay does Cody a favor, and that's why they were a tag team and won the tag team championships earlier on to establish that. My concern is what happens to Jay afterwards, because without the bloodline, what he doesn't seem like he's going to get pushed at all. Well, he doesn't seem like he could. But by the way, if Drew McIntyre hadn't caught fire and the WWE wasn't so damn married to Jimmy versus Jay, which nobody wants, yep. a realistic WrestleMania main event was Seth Rollins versus Jay Uso. Yeah, it was. And, and they can get back to that. Jay Uso can be a very credible opponent for Drew McIntyre. Um, you know, like that is that can still be true. There is only so much room around the championship, the arrival of CM Punk, the reheating of Drew McIntyre. I think Jey Uso has dropped pretty firmly out of that picture. I think you can see that with Sami Zayn, who was in and around that this time last year. Nowhere close now. I think you can see that with Kevin Owens, who might not even... Okay. Who might not even make the WrestleMania card this year. I think you can see that with a number of people who, unfortunately have dropped pretty heavily off the pace. Even though they're still high up the card, they've dropped out of the pace for main event scene entirely. Triple H seems to prefer a much smaller main event scene. It's been Cody Roman for a long time. Roman hasn't had many challenges at all because that main event scene is so small. On the Raw side, Seth has had different challenges. He's had a lot more challenges. They've never been a threat. Right. Drew McIntyre is the only real threat right now. Gee, so he's not at that level. I'm, I'm yeah. not happy saying it, but he's not. Well, you know, I will fight to the death for Jey Uso. And by the way, you complimented your niece on how she's been during this whole show. I am now one shoe down. <laughs> and the t- and my my remote control that you might have heard the, the noise came in is now going to need to be replaced. So she's doing great, Tom. I was confused for a moment because I mentioned my actual niece before we started recording. But no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I like that. What do you mean? Lakota's not your actual niece? She has a middle name of Collihue. Sure, she does. Lakota Collihue. It really doesn't work with the K sound right before. Lakota. <laughs> Hi, baby. No, it's, it's Lakota. How annoying was Rock repeating over and over about the um, crack and or whatever, the cocaine and meth stuff? That was so stupid. Being so unnecessary. How repetitive was this in general? Roman did the acknowledge me three times. Yeah, they were they I don't know what that was about. I really I feel like really they don't were know killing what that was time. about. But why? They had a full show know. after it. They did. They could have just let people wrestle. I mean, they it's like having a magic. three. It's like having a three hour podcast. Why would anyone do that? I don't know. 
Like we sometimes struggle to get to one hour because we just want to be concise. We want to hit the main points. We don't want to waffle, you know? Mm. I can't imagine having a three-hour show. No, I don't get it. What's left to discuss? Firstly, Dakota Kai has now turned on Bailey. The tag team match, which I discussed as a possibility for Elimination Chamber of Bailey and Dakota Kai versus the Kabuki Warriors, went pretty much exactly as we were expecting. Dakota Kai had the hair down. We knew what was coming. Dakota Kai turns on Bailey. None of this is really a surprise, and I do feel this was necessary building into WrestleMania. If they'd have waited and we'd have had Dakota turning on Bailey at WrestleMania instead, that would have felt that, like, definitive, Bailey's going to lose the championship. This gives her a fighting chance. Do you see Bailey getting back up, or do you see her fighting alone? Well, I think she needs the backup. Um, yes, I do. And they had Jade hinted at that. Um, did they yeah. not at the end of they the did. show? I think, yeah, I think Jade and, and Bianca um, will serve in that capacity. And that's interesting enough. And I think we are probably looking at Jade and Bianca versus Kabuki Warriors at WrestleMania is how I see it. No? Possibly. I'm not sure. It depends what they're doing with Tiffany Stratton. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, well, Tiffany Stratton, by the way, it's just, I totally agree with you. I didn't jump on that when you said that. What a, what a phenomenal talent she is. And I said that from when, you know, she was, uh, when I watched her in NXT, I think I, I shared that, that report. Yeah, back you're to more you. of a favorite NXT than I am. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do think, yes, Bailey will get that backup, but it'll it'll be more proper babyface backup for her. And I think that that's yeah, that that that's fine. I was disappointed by the Dakota Kai turn. You know, it was one of those ones that was always obviously going to happen. I don't think yeah. anybody on this earth believed that she wouldn't turn heel on heel on on Bailey. But it was like you know the old Sid Justice turning on Steve on uh, Hulk Hogan thing of not being there for the tag and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean. Uh, no, I don't know. It, that lacked a certain level of electricity, but we're here now. She's where she needs to be. Bailey's in the position that Bailey needs to be in terms of positioning um, to, as the proper baby face without any ambiguity with the folks around her. It's it's better for Bailey all the way around. It is better for Bailey, and I think it puts a focus firmly on her. I feel it would have been slightly more impactful if there was even one single shred of doubt in anyone's minds. If they'd have let it go a little bit more, if it would have been, oh, she wasn't there for the tag because she genuinely might have hurt her knee. Oh, she's just having a lot of bad luck. But at no point did anyone seemingly believe that this wasn't happening. Dakota Kai being back in damage control, she's essentially going to be the mouthpiece. That works for me, and I think it's a great position for her to be in. We expected her back around now, well, for a while now. And honestly, I think we've missed her a little bit. Even just the the vocal option of having someone... Uh, who can cut a great promo and really help out. Uh, with Bailey leaving damage control, they needed that element of leadership. Eos guy definitely still feels like a leader, but the addition of Asuka, the addition of Kairi Sane also means eventually the exact Bailey storyline that we've just seen could also play out for Dakota Kai, at which point she will uh, remember what she did to Bailey. Yeah. I don't see that in Eos guy. I don't see her as a leader. I don't see any, I don't see that in Dakota. I see it firmly in oscar i really do interesting because Asuka's never really been portrayed as a leader in that not with them i mm. see it gotcha okay she carries a think. confidence to her that is just you know remarkably more um compelling i think it's fair to say Asuka's the most experienced and often experienced in those leadership when it comes to that particular grouping i would say you know, but we'll see how it plays out damage control are interesting and damage control is still very much a power player in the women's division. 
regardless of whether Bailey's there or not. The fact that they've grown recently has given Asuka a bit more purpose. I'm glad to see Kairi Zane back. I think as a tag team, they work really well together. And it's really helped to reinvigorate the women's tag team championship scene. We now have quite a few women's tag teams that can actually regularly appear and just be involved. Whereas previously, you'd have the champions and that was it. So good work being done there. Good work, I feel, being done in the tag division as well. The expansion there, DIY, pretty deadly, still getting pushed. We're seeing a lot more tag teams. So in the build to WrestleMania, while we don't know all of the matches just yet, I am excited for this one. I do feel like the matches left to be announced will probably be quite fun, or at least high tempo and entertaining. I don't know. It's hard to say. We're still too far out from WrestleMania to really say this is going to be a great WrestleMania. But overall, I think we've got all the pieces needed to really be quite a good one. Yeah, I think so too. We are going to wrap it up there and say a big thank you to everyone for listening. Nick, where can people find you if they want to hear you talk about wrestling? Well, they're going to find me at Nicholas Barbati, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-R-B-A-T-I on Twitter, uh, where you can also, as announced, DM me if you want to pay for a conversation with me. About, listen, I love to talk wrestling. I'd love to talk wrestling forever with folks. But you know, people are out there saying, Nick, we want to talk to you. And, and we're willing to tip. Well, I don't have a, a tip jar anywhere, but, you know, DM me on there and I'll be happy to talk wrestling with you further. Um, you can also start buying tickets now to my big gay Italian funeral, which will be taking place mid-April at the Hard Rock Casino in uh, Atlantic City. I'm a supporting character in that one and I'm coming to Tampa in June. So if you're in Tampa for a lead role that I have in my big gay Italian wedding, I will be there, Tom exciting stuff you can of course follow me on collihue that is c-o-l-o-h-u-e on twitter or on youtube at tom collihue what i will say if you'd like to hear nick talk more about wrestling i'm hoping that we'll still be able to have nick as a regularly featured guest on the channel in some capacity so that you can talk to him and potentially give him a bit of a tip jar moment there as well i just want to say once again thank you to everyone for listening we are in the final days of Nick and Tom's intercontinental adventure. We are preparing for the big goodbye. So I do just want to say a massive thank you to everyone. Uh, If it is going to be your last show, if it is going to be one of many that you enjoy, I just want to say uh, thank you for making this a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to do. And uh, part of the Saturday ritual that I will miss, but which I do feel uh, needed to wrap up eventually. Thank you, everyone. We have been Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure. We will see you next week. Goodbye. This is a longer goodbye than the Oprah farewell tour. I mean, Tom, we're not going to do this every damn week. Okay, thank you. Andrew Socek, I'm alive. Uh, I apologize. We had no show last week, and that was all on me. I came down sick and uh, just am kind of getting back to normal. But, Andrew, I'm alive, which means we can record another podcast, and that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, just like PCO, you're alive. Yes, I'm just like that. I'm like a a (laughs) maniac brought back to life. Just electrocuting yourself in your free time for just for fun. You know what? I would have tried it after the way I felt last week. Believe me. Uh, it is Monday, March 4th, 2019. As we record this, this will drop on Tuesday, March 5th. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, Andrew. 
We do. Yes, you've been gone a long time and uh, got a, lots of uh, surprisingly impact things going on, which I didn't know if it ever was going to happen again. But it, also, okay. they are alive and yeah, you know, just moving moving on. Uh, you know, keep they're they're keep chugging. So they came, them. They came back to life this past week, just like I did. Um, but we're going to get to emails. <laughs> Later in the show as well, EliteMajorImpact at gmail.com. But, yeah, let's start first with uh, Impact because there's a lot of Impact news. Um, yeah. First, let's let's talk about the, the re-signings because there was a lot of them this week. I know mm-hmm. they announced Moose today, uh, which we'll get to in a second because that's a, that's a weird one for me. But uh, last week they announced that Sammy Callahan, Rosemary, and Madison Rain have all signed multi, multi-year deals. That's how they term them, multi-year deals. Uh, to either return to Impact Wrestling in Madison Rain's case or to resign with Impact Wrestling. So um, apparently money is coming from somewhere. I mean, we, we sit yeah. here and we talk every week about, you know, where are they generating income from? Where, where's the revenue coming from? We don't really know. But apparently it's coming from somewhere because I, I don't know that Sammy Callahan uh, – look, Rosemary and Madison Rain, maybe they would have had interest from AEW, maybe not. But like Sammy Callahan definitely, I think, would have – would have had interest from AEW. So the fact mm-hmm. that he re-signed on a reported multi-year deal means that they must have offered him something that was satisfying. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm really surprised about all of these actually, just because a, a few weeks ago, um, if you would have told me they were about to go out of business in, in a few weeks, I would have been like, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I know we've predicted, you know, well, maybe not predict might be strong, but we've kind of thought they were going to die a few couple times over the past couple of years. And this seemed really close. And I just thought over these next six months to a year, every single person in the company is going to leave and they're going to have to put on really small shows in Canada and it'll die a quiet death. But uh, it looks like nothing of the sort at the moment. They, Yeah, they got money coming in. Callahan is sticking around. So they must have some pretty good money because uh, I would imagine Callahan would get interest, like you said, from AEW, Moose, maybe like NXT. Um, yeah, I mean, Ma- Madison Rain, I guess, would be the only one who I could kind of see coming back just due to her relationship or marriage to uh, Josh Matthews. So, um, yeah, really encouraging week for Impact overall. So, so finally some good news for the first time in, in quite a while. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's – look, it must be that Anthem is putting money behind the company. It's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no – you look at it, there's no real other revenue stream coming in. I mean, they don't have that many subscribers to the Global Wrestling Network. They're not uh, generating money from TV. So I'm assuming that Anthem is operating at a loss. I mean, they're not doing huge gates on ticket sales. They're not even running that many shows other than TV tapings. So really, where's the revenue coming from? It doesn't seem like there is a ton of revenue coming in. So it would suggest that Anthem is operating at a loss and is maybe okay operating at a loss with the idea that they have some plans for future revenue. Maybe maybe they are investing money now, hoping that it pays off in the future with another TV deal domestically here in the United States or who knows. But, uh, I mean, the, the other thing we don't consider, too, and we, we haven't talked about this, I don't think, as much as we probably should have, they do make supposedly a lot of money on international TV, and that that's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, from a, a, a credibility standpoint and from an exposure standpoint, like they, they need TV in the United States that isn't on Twitch in pursuit. Um, so you would think that they – you would think, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe they've trimmed down all their expenses to the point where they're not. But I, I would expect that right now if you were to look at their books, they're probably operating at a loss 
and, and maybe Anthem is okay financing that if they have some type of long-term plan that they think is going to play out. That's my guess as well as maybe they think like, hey, if we invest X amount of money in this and, and be fine with losing it in the short term, in the long term, we can make uh, a, a much larger number because, yeah, I, I don't know where this money is coming from. I My only guess is you know, from their, this, I don't know, 26 deal um, or just Anthem is really pouring in money uh, trying to 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 write this ship. Um, yeah. I, I mean, because like, we should say like Impact, uh, excuse me, TNA operated at a loss for, I, I think, almost its entire run under the yeah. Carter ownership. I think so, too. I mean, it, it might have been the entire run. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I thought I remember at times that they were very slightly in the black for a little bit. But otherwise, yeah, they were somehow fine losing, you know, rumored tens of millions over the course of their entire run. And that was the thing, like the the uh, Bob and Janice Carter pulled their their Panda Energy money out essentially when they were sick of losing money. And mm-hmm. that's what kind of led to the downfall. Once Dixie was in charge of it herself, that's when they ran into really bad financial trouble. I mean, they had some while the Carters uh, were still involved. Uh, the parents were still involved. But uh, it really got bad when when Dixie was trying to finance the whole thing herself. So it's not like the company hasn't operated at a loss before. It's operated at a loss for, <laughs> as far as we know, practically its entire existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the entire time. <laughs> I don't know if it's just these WWE deals coming on, uh, and and uh, you know maybe AEW landing a huge TV deal. So maybe they think, hey, uh, you know maybe we can get a fraction of a fraction of that, or maybe just the other investors in the uh, Pursuit Channel. Uh, maybe they have big plans for that and plan to I don't know revolve revolve a lot of programming around Impact in, in the coming years, but. Um, yeah, just the fact that all that these are multi-year deals is just uh, so surprising to me. Um, I yeah, just I just assumed one after the other uh, would be gone before no time at all. Uh, and the Moose one is interesting. They announced Moose today that Moose is resigned. Uh, they did not say if this was a multi-year deal, which uh, suggests to me that it's probably a one-year deal. Um, but this may have been a restructuring because the last we we knew about Moose, he signed reportedly a three-year deal in 2017. So they either renegotiated Moose's deal or something because it was reported in 2017 that he had signed a three-year deal. So it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. that he would sign a new one now because he's still a year away from that, that being up or a little – I think it was in the summer. So a little more than a year away from that being up. Um, so that one's a little strange. Uh, it, it could just be too, that they're trying to get all their ducks in a row. I, I mean, it, it does kind of strike me too, that, that impact is in a spot right now where they're trying to get as much of their talent signed as possible, knowing that AEW is, is here and, and has already started signing talent. So you would think that the mm-hmm. ones that they want to make sure they lock into, they are going to lock in here. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the plan because Sammy Callahan and Moose have been such prominent figures on TV over the past year. If they lost both of them, um, that would be that would be pretty substantial uh, because the, the roster is already pretty thin at the moment. They're kind of relying on the same four or five guys at the top. Um, it, it, this also makes me wonder if there was any truth into what Chris Jericho said. Um, I, I think he was still blowing a little smoke or, or making things up when he was saying he was going to get over a million dollars per match. Um, but you know, he, he also said Anthem, um, does have money and apparently they have more than I, than I thought. 
Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, you're right. Um, maybe they were thinking of throwing some money around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, some other news as far as the roster goes, Caleb Conley announced that he is a free agent. So it would appear that he is done with impact wrestling. So uh, we're going to, uh, have no more Caleb Conley on the show. Trevor Lee's gone and his <laughs> cult of Lee, uh, cult mate, I guess. I don't know. What, what would you call that? Uh, fellow uh, cult member? Uh, let's see if he's the leader. Who? Okay. Well, yeah. Who's underneath? In, that's a good question. Cult leader and cult follower. Yeah. Yeah. His follower uh, will no longer be <laughs> will be on the show. It sounds like. What What was your favorite Caleb Conley moment in Impact? Um, <laughs> that's basically where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I want to say there was something he did that was funny uh, around Matt uh, around Matt Hardy. Oh, um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what exactly it may have been with the not the final deletion. What was the show that they did from the Hardy? Uh, ultimate was that Ultimate Deletion? I think that was the Ultimate Deletion. I want to say that they, he did something on that show that was kind of funny. Uh, but I'd have to go back and watch. I don't remember. Yeah, and and it and I'm not really like taking a shot at him. I think he's a talented dude, but yeah, he me just too. Was, yeah. It, it's kind of like the same story as Trevor Lee. They just never did anything with him. Yeah, they didn't put two seconds of thought into his character that entire time he was there. He was just guy in black trunks, basically. Yeah. Uh, some more impact news. This is coming from John Moore of ProWrestling.net, who watched the show live on Twitch this week. I don't know if you watch the show live on Twitch or not. I know you have been. Um, but he, yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, you could probably substantiate some of this. He reported on, in his report on pro wrestling.net that there were between uh, 12 and 13,000 people watching on Twitch in the first hour and around 16,000 it topped out on Twitch in the second hour, which is double the amount of viewers from last week. So apparently, uh, this show this past week had a lot of interest, at least on Twitch. Uh, yeah, I was really surprised. So I watched on the PlayStation 4 app this time, and the numbers don't I, – I can't, like, watch them in real time like I can on my PC. Um, but I, I did hear Melissa Santos say that they did over 10,000, um, which they had not done in, in a long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall it was just – I think she's really added a lot to that show. Um, watching Josh Matthews, you know, in a, in a dark – uh, living room, sitting on his couch, eating snacks. It was just <laughs> such an awful look. Um, it, it still looks, it still doesn't look that good because Melissa Santos is, uh, you know, just, I don't know, in her living room or something watching this show, but she's so much more personable. Uh, she's better lit. Uh, she seems to engage better with the fans. So, so. she turned the lights on is what you mean. She, <laughs> yeah. She, <laughs> she went to the bare minimum effort of turning the lights on but no she i thought she was really good um so hopefully they do not put josh in uh back in that role because i think she adds some energy i don't know how much she may have had to do with those um ratings but i think it's it's a more fun product to watch when she's there i mean and it's good i mean hey it's growth i mean there's more people watching than there were last week still not a lot of people i mean (laughs) i I don't think getting excited about sixteen thousand is really something to get all that excited about um but hey, it's it's something. Um, Impact yeah. also touted on Twitter this week that this was their most watched episode on Twitch, and they were the seventh most watched channel on all of Twitch Friday night. Uh, and that they this was kind of sneaky. They they are up to three million total video views, uh, which is an all time number. Uh, it's not it, it 
I think it could be misconstrued. People could misconstrue that as three million people were watching the show on Twitch. Uh, um, mm-hmm. But no, it, it's three million total video views. So that I mean, I know Twitch is a completely different platform than YouTube, but that seems really low to me, actually. Uh, considering uh, it's been since the, we're, we're talking three, uh, two months now, two full months at least. Yeah. So I mean. And, and actually, does that even go back longer? Are they counting like oh. every Twitch video? So that could be like two years, couldn't it? You know what? You're probably right. Yeah, yeah I, would, uh, I would assume it's all time. Interesting. So, I mean, if they tell like a, 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 I don't know, an advertising agency, maybe that sounds impressive. But if you look into it at all, or that's that doesn't seem very good. Yeah. Um, we should note that this is something we've been critical of is, is Impact not letting us know when you can watch replays of Impact. Uh, on Twitch. We know that it airs live on Friday nights, but we've also been told from viewers in emails that it uh, airs throughout the week, and we didn't know when because they've never told us. But last week they did. Um, I think this was last Monday. Uh, Beginning today, Impact replays on Twitch at 6 p.m. every Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, and it's available to everyone on demand on the Global Wrestling Network every Tuesday. So, uh, mm. That is at least something. I mean, look, they might yeah. they might air it more frequently on Twitch, but at least we know if you can't watch it Friday at ten, you could also watch it Monday at six, uh, and then if you have the Global Wrestling Network, you can watch it every Tuesday. So that Tuesday, Friday to Tuesday is only you know what three four days. That's much better than than two weeks. So it's mm-hmm. it's something. It's not great, but it's something, and I will applaud them for at least letting us know uh, a little bit more of when the show's on rather than us just having to guess and tune yeah. into Twitch and hoping we find it. It's kind of funny because had they done that initially, you know, had it on Tuesdays, we would have been like, what the heck? Why do we got to wait like four days? Um, yeah. But the fact that it went from 14 to four, I guess is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's still not enough to make me buy the network, but <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, <laughs> Impact signed Josh Alexander to a three-year deal that was reported last week. Uh, I don't know much about him. Do you? I know uh, all I know from what I've been able to read is that I know he worked a couple of tapings last year. Um, he's also Ethan Page's tag team partner. Um, obviously, Ethan Page also works for Impact Wrestling, but he is a Canadian wrestler. Uh, according to the notes I have here, he wrestled at a one-night-only show in Canada for Impact. Last year, I wrestled at an Impact, uh, worked at Impact Television taping in Toronto. He's also worked for AAW, PWG, and Ring of Honor. Um, So, yeah, I don't know much about Josh Alexander, but he has signed a three-year deal, and they touted that signing last week. Yeah, I basically just watch uh, random YouTube clips of him. I don't even think I've seen a full match of his, uh, so I can't put too much analysis on that, but they certainly seem pretty hyped up about him. Uh, They've been... You know, they made a pretty big deal out of when Scott Demore signed him basically in the middle of the ring. And then I think he dropped an F-bomb about how, like, excited he was about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how good he is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he'll end up uh, pretty soon on the show. So, I mean, yeah, anybody they can get that has uh, not been signed by another company, they certainly certainly need right now. Yeah, you know, if nothing else, it's a guy that... The three-year deal is another one, though, that really sticks out to me. Like, three years? Yeah, for sure. Someone's willing to sign a three-year deal with Impact, huh? I mean, hey, (laughs) maybe there's outs. You know, maybe maybe there's outs in the contract. I don't know. But if I'm a wrestler, even if I'm a wrestler who's, 
you know, only really worked independent shows in the Toronto area. You know, I don't know that I want to lock myself into three years with a company that's not on television in the United States. I mean, like, yeah, I get it. They are. But let's face it, for all intents and purposes, they're not on television in the United States. Um, So, yeah, it's just I don't know. Three years. I don't know that I would want to lock myself in that long. I know. I mean, uh, he must know Demore uh, and, and trust that he's going to get a pretty good push because uh, otherwise it's such a gamble at this point, because if, if you feel you're good enough for AEW to sign you within, say, the next, uh, let's just say, year, you're probably going to make substantially more than you would with Impact. Um, but I guess if you have a contract, you know, you've been struggling to, to get noticed uh, and, and to land some, you know, guaranteed money and a contract's presented to you. Um, I also understand that and wanting to take that right away and run with it. But like you said, maybe there's an out clause in case this company uh, ends up folding or, or, you know, things just get too bad that they have to let people out of their deals. And, and there are two different complete places, too. You look at Josh Alexander and Sammy Callahan, and it's like they're two completely different guys in two completely different situations. I'm, mm-hmm. I guess I'm less surprised at Josh Alexander signing a three-year deal because he hasn't really worked any major promotions before, and this is a break for him. And yeah. it's a chance for him to, to work for, you know, the, a promotion that isn't nearly as major league as it was four or five years ago, but still a major promotion as in, in pro wrestling. So mm-hmm. it's a step up for him. So him signing a multi-year deal do, isn't as surprising as, say, Sammy Callahan signing a multi-year deal, because Sammy Callahan's a guy that AEW, you would think, would be interested in. Uh, AEW is not going to sign every wrestler on the planet. Tony Khan uh, has said that that's, they're not going to sign 80 guys, and they're only going to sign the guys that they're able to push, and, and all that makes sense. So there's not room for everybody. But a, a Sammy Callahan is a guy, has a connection to Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah. You know, you would think that Sammy Callahan would be a guy that AEW would have interest in, whereas Josh Alexander, I mean, no offense to Josh Alexander, before <laughs> Impact signed him, I never heard of him. So I don't yeah. know that AEW would have been running out of their way to sign him. Um but Sammy Callahan, you would think they would. So, yeah, I, I guess in terms of impact signings, I'm less surprised that someone in Josh Alexander's situation would sign a three-year deal than, than someone like Callahan, who I, I'd have to go back and look because it was last week, but I'm pretty sure they announced his re-signing as a multi-year deal. I think they did, too. And, yeah, that's a good point to bring up Chris Jericho because I'm guessing he would have gone to bat for him. No pun intended, I guess. <laughs> um that process was the Jericho wanted to work with Callahan and Impact. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I feel he would have tried to bring him on board because he's kind of a he's he's you know indie fans know him and he's not somebody who has been wasting away in WWE for years. Like you know, say like Zack Ryder came available. Uh, I could understand why AEW wouldn't want to go out of their way to uh, pick him up. Um, you know, just to to how he's been presented on TV. Whereas Callahan, I think, could still be pretty strong for that company. So I am like, I'm just really curious how much money that company actually has right now because it is it, it's apparently enough to lock in uh, all these talents for years. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, some other news: Pop TV president Brad Schwartz talked to Deadline.com and explained why Impact Wrestling is no longer airing on the network. This is a direct quote. He said, "Quote: Yes, we had a wrestling show every Thursday night." which, by the way, was one of our 10 highest-rated shows on the network. Not sure that's so much. Um, <laughs> 10 highest, but as far as I knew, it was one of the highest, but okay. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, the quote continues with, they wanted to keep going, obviously. It was two hours of original content every Thursday night, 52 weeks a year, that we would do 400,000 to 500,000 viewers every Thursday night. 
I'm seeing less and less uh, truth uh, coming out of this quote. Um, yeah. We had to really start focusing on brand and expectation. And I think if you're going to pitch yourself and tell audiences that you're going that you're this place for premium content like Schitt's Creek and Flack and Florida Girls, this type of stuff, <laughs> then people need to know what to expect from you when they come to the channel. And that's the direct quote from Brad Schwartz. So, um, yeah, reading this, uh, it seems like a whole bunch of BS because yeah. one of the top ten highest shows mm. – one of the top ten highest shows at four to 500,000 viewers every single week. First of all, they haven't done that in two years. Um, mm. and, and second of all, that's – not top 10 that would be like uh the top rated network <laughs> show on the network i would mean, unless there's some show that we're we're missing on pop that's doing you know three three million views um <laughs> yeah it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of truth there no Any of none of it yeah like okay so pitching yourself so if he goes to an advertiser and he's like hey we're pop tv we have flack I mean, is that really that much worse Ooh. or that much better than <laughs> than Impact Wrestling? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if this makes any sense. I have no idea what yeah. Flack is, by the way. Neither Maybe do it's I. A, I. But I'm guessing it's not like an HBO HBO type prestige show. I'm guessing it's yeah. Not. Well, I know they also dropped like the soap opera rerun, so I think they they're rebranding uh, themselves as a channel. Um, mm-hmm. in, in trying to, you know, have this, whatever, trying to fit whatever their key, who knows what their key demo is, but trying to fit whatever their key demo is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. He does say that they wanted to keep going. So that's an indication that, that impact wanted to keep going in the network and pop turned them down. I mean, if, you know, that 400 to 500,000 was true, wouldn't he be like a wildly irresponsible, uh, you know, head of the network for letting that go? You would think. Oh, Anna Paquin's in Flack. Hmm. Never heard of it. Googled it quick. I heard of it as of right now. <laughs> 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what's funny, too, is everyone talks about Shit's Creek as being a popular show on pop, and it is. Mm-hmm. Shit's Creek not, is not a show that they produce. Right, it's yeah. Can, it's a Canadian show. Yeah. They just redistribute it in the United States. So. Yeah, so I, I mean, they don't have any... Uh, it looks like this flack show isn't theirs either. So I don't <laughs> think they have anything if yeah, filmed in the UK. So um, yeah, anyways, I'm, I'm assuming they have nothing. So um, I wonder if other people in the network were, you know, were kind of going to bat for impact because it, if it was drawing their highest ratings and everything else they have, isn't theirs whatsoever. Um, maybe, maybe others feel that this was a missed opportunity. I mean, look, they can say what they want say it's the top 10. Um, as far as we knew, it was the only show that they had that ever appeared in the top 150 cable shows. That's true, yeah. So I would assume it was the highest rated show on the network. E- yeah, even, they, by the way, when it was doing like 200,000 viewers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they had two hours of it yeah. every week. Yeah, but anyway, uh, all right, let's move into the results from this past week's show. Um, and I know, you know what, let's start before we get to the, the match results. There was one thing in here that I know you noted that you wanted to talk about, and I want to talk about it too. Um, sure. Disco Inferno. <laughs> so yeah, so Disco Inferno is <laughs> on the show. Uh-huh. Um, how would you describe these segments? Um, they're like these self-indulgent shoot segments, um, that seems written by Vince Russo himself. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. 
it, it's something you know what I, I mean they're supposed to be funny I, I think I'm sure mm. um, they strike me as something that from what we've seen of other comedy that impact has put on under Scott Demore and Don Cal mm-hmm. totally fits in with what I imagine they think is just high comedy mm-hmm. oh yeah um yeah i mean the the thing that so i i'll admit i kind of um i disco inferno is a guilty pleasure um <laughs> i I, <laughs> I don't agree with 90 percent of his booking philosophies and i don't like his thoughts on women wrestling that he recently came out with but he's just like such a goofy weirdo from you know kind of my formative wrestling years that I have a soft spot for him uh but that doesn't mean i want him to walk into a scene uh, and, you know, break the fourth wall about how he used to write for, you know, he used to be the head of creative and all this stuff, because I think that's just stuff you don't bring up on a wrestling show. What does head of creative mean Yeah, yeah. <laughs> within the context of what they're presenting? And uh, Demore and Callis did another silly, dumb bit where they're off screen yelling at him and they made like a reference to Vince Russo. And then uh, he got attacked by an owl. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Demore and Callis were dying laughing over this, but uh, um, it's probably not great for the casual viewers, even though I, I, I guiltily kind of enjoyed part of it. While the other part, I'm just, you know, you can have them as a comedy figure. Just don't break the fourth wall to do it, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I guess from a I agree with you from a casual viewer standpoint, they're probably looking at this going, what? What is going on? Yeah, here? yeah. I don't, if you're watching Impact Wrestling at this point, though, I don't know that there is such thing as a casual viewer. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, like <laughs> if, if you're watching the show on Twitch or you're finding it on Pursuit, yeah. To me, like you're you're, you're a diehard at this point. Right. Yeah. I guess nobody's like going to stumble across Twitch on a Friday night at at 10 p.m. and then see this disco guy and be like, who is that? Who's that? So. Yeah. Hmm. So it's. I mean, it's definitely strange. I mean, I don't. I'll put it this way. Uh, it, they're weird, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not brutally offended by them. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, I've seen we, we've seen Impact do much worse. I'd put it that way. These yeah. are I don't think these are very good segments. I don't think they're doing a ton to bring attention to the product. I mean, uh, they are what they are. I mean, it's it's Don Callis and Scott Demore, you, you know, poking fun at themselves, I guess, as a company and and. <sighs> they think it's funny great i mean it's it's (laughs) i don't it's not my cup of tea i'm not i'm not like brutally offended by them either though no no not at all but i mean i think this is one of those things that i think a little bit is going to go a long way uh where they're probably going to run this thing into the ground in another week or two yeah uh, which, which they tend to do with all their humor um, side note, it was like strangely surreal to see D'Lo Brown and, and Disco Inferno in the same shot. Like, I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen that before. So these two, uh, mid card guys from different promotions just showing up together. Yeah. From like 1998. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, maybe like in 2003, they were in the same company. I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and watch tapes, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, well, let's get to the show. We can run down the results uh, relatively quickly. Um, Willie Mack defeated Jake Chris by DQ. That was oh, That's what opened the show. Uh, and that was all there to set up a tag team match where Willie Mack and Tommy Dreamer defeated OVE. Uh, this but Between the, the match that ended in a DQ and then the tag match, this whole segment took up 
a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I was going – I watched the show today and I, I watched essentially highlights. I wasn't able to watch the whole show. So I watched, I went through YouTube and watched the highlights. And, and I was reading John Moore's review at ProWrestling.net and would have to agree. I think John put it best in saying that this felt like a really good like house show level match. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like something that you would see on television. No, it didn't. Um, and, and I think this was the was this the first set of tapings where Tommy Dreamer joined the creative team. Ooh, that's a great question. It, may, it yeah. might be. It might be. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just say overall. I mean, we'll probably get to it. Like I enjoyed this show, but um, I think another thing, if you know, if Tommy Dreamer is taking up twenty thirty minutes worth of TV time, or um, somewhere in that ballpark, um, that's another character that I think doesn't need to be on. Um, on a weekly show every, you know, every week. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing too is we'll get to, I'm sure we'll get to this as we get closer to the main event. One thing that stood out on this show for me is how, how much they're lacking star power right now. And, yeah. I mean, and that's been the case for, I mean, that's not a big surprise, right? It's been the same thing for, for months really. Um, but the, the main event picture is, is just – it's the same four guys oh, over and like, over yeah. and over again. And it's like – but you think about it. You sit there and go, well, who else do they have to put in one of those spots? And it's – they really don't have anybody. No, I feel that – and we've said it before. I feel the only guy that's right now ready for it like in one week would be Sam Callahan. Oh, sure, sure. But – Besides that, I mean, I would love to have seen, you know, had they booked him right, I would have loved to see him like Willie Mack in this role right now, but you couldn't really just do it in a week and have it not feel very strange. No. Um, back to the results on the show. KM and Falaba next defeated the returning Reno Scum. Uh, this was a weird match. I mean, they had built up for the last couple of weeks that Reno Scum is back and they're going to, uh, you know, be on the show. And, and finally, it's like we've talked about how they've had so few tag teams. Here's another tag team. And. They lose in four minutes to KM and five. <laughs> so, unless they're doing, yeah. unless they're doing something here. I mean, look, I like Reno Scum working his heels. That was the, the other thing. They were heels in their return. Yeah, uh, they were baby faces the last time we saw them. So I think they fit better. I like them better as heels. But they lost in four minutes. So I don't, you know, great. They're back. I also, if you're Reno Scum, why would you wear uh, very similar pants to the Ascension? I just don't think that's a good look. Uh, yeah, you should not aspire to be the Ascension. No. Unless that's, uh, you know what, maybe that's how they're going to be positioned on Impact. They are Impact's version of the Ascension in the sense that they're going to be on TV and lose all the time. Yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm glad that there's another tag team in the division, but yeah, having them job out. Like, I don't, yeah, why not book them in a squash match to, to squash somebody in two minutes? And know. you know what, we talk about how there's so few tag teams, too. They've destroyed some of these tag teams. Like, yeah. Would OVE feel like any type of legitimate title contender right now? Absolutely not. No. The Desi Hit Squad's a joke. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, I mean, you've got the Lucha Brothers and you've got LAX. And then Bond Cam? Yeah. I mean, another one that I I guess you could throw them into the title picture, but it really doesn't feel like they belong in that spot either. Yeah, it's basically two legit teams and then four that are are just kind of joke teams i guess yeah they gotta do a better job building up that the tag team division yeah especially considering lax might be the most popular act on the show oh i i guess the uh the rascals too is the other one yeah you know and they're doing a decent job with them we'll, we'll actually get to them in a little bit yeah uh tessa blanchard defeated delilah doom 
thought this was okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was there to give Tessa Blanchard a win, I assume, and that's what it did, right? Yeah, uh, I'm fine with it. I'm always fine for a, a top star just destroying somebody even after they're already established because yeah. if yeah because if you see it like her wrestle 10 minute matches every week then it's she doesn't feel special and you, you like forget that she's supposed to be a badass so uh, yeah it was fine yeah um melissa santos you talked about her earlier she interviewed brian cage uh in the next segment on the show and i thought that cage actually came across pretty pretty well here uh, for a while you know they didn't have him talk at all and he was kind of this silent you know, monster, but, uh, mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, obviously they're, they're engaged, right? Melissa Santos and Brian Cage, are they, uh, engaged or married? Yes. Yeah. Impact has not alluded to that on, in television, which I'm totally fine with. Um, but I thought that they had, they, they seem to have some good chemistry here. And I thought that the cage came across as actually having some type of character behind him for the first time really that I can remember seeing. Yeah. I think overall, um, this may have been, I think this is one of his best nights in the company so far overall. Huh, that's um, interesting, yeah. I would, you know, I still wish he was undefeated or, uh, and they would have gone with that, but they're doing some damage control, I think, because I think he kind of was pretty badly damaged uh, after his losses and uh, the crowd wasn't all that into him. But, you know, it seems like they're maybe turning things around with him. So hopefully he can... Um, you know, I don't know, get some sort of momentum going. Yeah. And he's not the most eloquent of speaker. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's and that is what it is. Um, but it's I don't know. I, I think I at least feel like they can do something with him now. I know, I know we talked about going into the last pay-per-view, like if Brian Cage isn't your isn't the guy that can give you your go home promo to sell a pay-per-view, then, then who is? And you got to mm-hmm. find that guy. But. You know, that that might not be Cage's thing, but I feel like he can at least be – like I saw signs in this promo, this interview here, that he can at least be good enough to be the guy that is the main event babyface for your company. Um, if nothing else, yes, by default, I would say uh, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think he could definitely be – uh, I, I think what they've done lately has been encouraging. Um, and, and to me, he seems like he'd be valuable in any promotion right now, which is something you want to make your wrestlers feel not just like they're leftovers who would only succeed in impact. It seems right now he could be doing a, a good job um, pretty much anywhere. Zachary Wentz of the Rascals, who you talked about earlier, uh, defeated Ethan Page in about five minutes. Um, yeah, I have don't really have much to say about this i mean again i only saw highlights so i don't know if there was more to see and say from the actual live broadcast of the show but it just seemed like this was also there to to give a guy a win yeah it was also to show um i don't know try to get them some publicity with the uh, nfl hall of famer in the front row i i don't know oh that's right who yeah. he was um i'm always a get the opinion though that um any sort of celebrity or athlete should get the crap kicked out of them if they agree to get physical with the wrestler. Cause it, you know, Ethan page got pushed around. So, uh, and the, you know, the football player got to look physically dominant to him, which I just will never, ever, ever understand. Yeah. I mean, at least if they did it, they did it with Ethan page and not, you know, that's true. Yeah. Moose. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I generally agree with you, but if you're going to do it, do it with a, do it with a lower, card guy not someone who's supposed to be your your main event heel or, or your mm-hmm. main event baby face uh then they okay then they had the the disco inferno stuff after that um 
a interview with Timmy Callahan air. There was a lot of talking after this. Uh, let's see. There's a promo with Killer Cross and Moose. Uh, they had a backstage segment with LAX in their clubhouse. And then we finally got to the main event, which was Killer Cross and Moose defeating Johnny Impact and Brian Cage uh, uh, with a ref stoppage. It was with a ref stoppage. Um, this was an interesting main event. I, I thought this was a really good match. And, mm-hmm. and also considering, I mean, we've seen these guys in the ring against each other so often over the last month and a half, two months, that going into this, and I saw almost this entire match. Uh, I watched the the end of the replay on Twitch today. So I, I went into this thinking like, oh man, like this is just going to be another, this is going to be the same match we've seen for the last two months, you know, since mm-hmm. the, the homecoming pay-per-view. I thought this was good though. I thought that they it felt different. I like the the different finish with the ref stoppage. Um, it it felt you know that's a very sport like presentation in terms of the referee stopping a fight like that. You see that in MMA all the time. Uh, you know, it reminded me a lot of um, of the the Stone Cold Bret Hart finish from '97 in the sense that like yeah. Cage was passing out and. He was bleeding, and I think Don Callis even said something to the effect of, you know, he's he's lost a lot of blood. Uh, so it's, it, I don't know. I just I thought I thought the whole presentation of the match was good for for a twelve or thirteen minute TV match, whatever it was. Uh, it was intense, and I thought presented really really well. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. I think this is one of the best uh, show closing angles uh, they've had in in quite some time. Um, I, I should be more sick of these four guys than I am. I mean, there is definitely some fatigue setting in, but I think they've done a pretty respectable job, uh, just with the storylines in general, because usually I, I get burnt out on matches pretty fast, but, uh, not quite sick of it yet. I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going, uh, with all four of them. Um, but yeah, I think cage looked really strong in defeat here. Um, uh, he, he was like sympathetic in that in that route, they made it seem believable when those two guys ganged up on him. There weren't all these like cheese ball superhero comeback spots. They just beat the crap out of him and he held on as long as he could. So I, I thought it was really good stuff. Uh, okay. That was all the impact news for this week. There's not a ton of AEW news, even though we didn't have a show last week. Um, other than I think they, they're running a show in July in Jacksonville. So we know that there's going to be, you know, a show after double or nothing, which we all assume there would be. Um, there's rumors that they might run a show in London in August. Although I think I read a report today where the young bucks said that that was not happening. So not a ton of AEW news, uh, other than they have a show coming up in Jacksonville, which is of course the home of Tony Khan, uh, in, uh, in July, a couple of months after Double or Nothing, it'll be at an amphitheater that is connected to the Jacksonville Jaguars stadium. So I don't know for sure, uh, but if it's connected to the stadium, my guess is that it's a venue the Khan family probably owns. Um, oh, sure. Because I think they own the state. I know they own the Jaguars. I'm pretty sure they own the stadium as well. Um, so it wouldn't be if this amphitheater is connected to the stadium. My guess is that they also own that. Uh, so it, looks like i don't know if that will be a major show it it kind of feels like it is but other than that that's really the only aew news coming out in the last couple of weeks uh yeah certainly seems that way it seems you know i guess you can't like keep up that kind of excitement forever until they debut debut because as far as we know they may not be on tv for 
eight more months. Who knows? Um, so there's going to definitely be lulls uh, in the excitement. Um, slightly, I guess. Well, I guess, yeah, AEW related is uh, that Luke Perry passed away and he was the father of Jungle Boy. Yeah. That's kind of a, yeah, that's so, right. That happened today. So that's a bit of, yeah, that's, that's a bummer that he'll, you know, he's not going to get his, see his son like on a major, major stage. Yeah. So fortunate, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that was sad. I, I saw that today. Uh, the story happened last week. I think he suffered the stroke last uh, Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was um, – again, I was a little out of the loop being under the weather <laughs> and stuff. But, yeah, no, right. I, I saw that today. Um, other – another thing that's slightly AEW-related, of course, is Batista's return to WWE last uh, week yeah. uh, because there were there was a lot of rumors that Batista was going to potentially – uh, was seeking if there was interest in AEW, uh, seeing if there was interest in Batista from AEW, if WWE wasn't interested in potentially doing something. Obviously, WWE is interested in doing something, and it looks like Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania is going to happen. But um, did you see that angle at the end of Raw last week? Uh, I did, actually. Um yeah, it, it was a uh, you know I I think uh, Wade's kind of been saying uh, similar things like I don't want to see this match whatsoever but um well, he, maybe he's more excited about it than I am but uh, I don't I don't want to see the match but uh, it was a good angle to actually set it up I thought uh, yeah same here you know I I, I kind of sum it up like this I thought the potential of of Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania did not have me very excited. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, great. You know, this is going to be just something that, that they're going to do for themselves and it's nothing anyone wants to see. I came away from the angle at the end of Raw last week going, you know what? I'm okay seeing this match. Uh, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, you know, it kind of called back to what they did at, at the 1000 episode of SmackDown last fall um, with some of the, the tension they teased between Batista and Triple H there. So, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really good angle and. I'm interested in seeing what happens with Batista as a heel. You know, it's he came back as a babyface last time, which was a horrendous decision because everybody <laughs> everybody was so everyone knew it was Daniel Bryan's time. And yeah, yeah. Batista was not going to be received as the babyface, and it backfired. It's almost the complete opposite now. Like there's there's not that Daniel Bryan character. The, the, right now, the Daniel Bryan character is Becky Lynch, and Batista is yeah. going to have nothing to do with Becky Lynch. So. Batista plays Drax in in Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, and everyone loves that character. And he's a super popular guy coming out of those movies. So I almost wonder is the are they going to is the opposite going to happen again? And that they're they're bringing him in as a heel. I'm assuming because it didn't work the last time, so they're just going, hey, you know what? We'll go with the easiest thing. We'll make him a heel this time. But the situation is different. There's not that Daniel Bryan undercurrent. Uh, you know, I feel like. I don't know. I, I, I feel like Batista's going to end up getting cheered in a lot of this. I would think so, too, just because he's a cool guy. And Triple H's character, has uh, his consistency has been uh, mind-bogglingly atrocious. Uh, you know, just how he switches back from heel to face, heel to face, seemingly every week just for the hell of it. Um, and he's Triple H just isn't that cool anymore. So uh, I could certainly see that happening as well. But maybe... Uh, Maybe they'll make it work, but man, has it really been five years? I guess yeah. since since Batista. Wow, crazy, huh? That is, yeah, to man. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go into some MLW news, and then we'll get the emails to close out the show. Uh, the probably the biggest MLW story of the last two weeks is that Jim Cornette is back, or not back. He is 
with the company. Uh, Cornette has his podcast. I believe it's through MLW, right? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but he has now debuted with the wrestling company as an announcer, and, and apparently he's working backstage as an agent. So this feels like, you know what? If Jim Cornette is going to agent for one company right now, MLW is the one that makes the most sense. They they present oh, yeah. their product like a sport, uh, which is something that I know Cornette has been after for a long time. It's what he tried to do with Ring of Honor when he was in charge there, uh, you know, in 2000. 12 2013 whatever that was uh so it just you know what jim Cornette with a lot of companies in today's wrestling probably doesn't make a lot of sense i don't think he fits with wwe i sure as hell don't think he fits with aew um but jim Cornette helping shape matches for mlw and announcing for mlw in a, in a sport like in a sport like way uh, i think mm-hmm. is is a really really good fit so I, I did not see this uh, this news actually until I uh, you know saw it in your in the sheet. So as an announcer, is he like uh, going to do like color commentary with like Shivani? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I didn't watch this week's show yet. It's on my DVR. Yeah, still. I haven't I've, seen it either. With my recovering uh, illnesses that I'm trying <laughs> to get over and, and rise up like the Undertaker, uh, I'm still a little behind on my TV watching. But yeah, I, I think he debuted this past week and. Uh, oh, my understanding okay. is that he's an announcer on the announce team. They they introduced him as a member of the announce team, and he's doing color commentary. Interesting. I, we talked about this briefly off air, but uh, MLW was on last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago at 11. So uh, I tried to watch it last night, and it, it was not ready to go on YouTube. So I don't know if they're switching that around when it's debuting or or, or what's going on. But um, yeah, just that's just an aside. <laughs> uh, some other MLW news: Battle Riot. They announced will be a two-hour live special on April 5th on BN Sports. Battle Riot is one of their WrestleMania weekend shows. Uh, and at that show, Davey Boy Smith Jr., Pentagon Jr., and Minoru Tanaka were announced as the first entrance into the 40-man Battle Riot match, uh, which is a essentially a no-disqualification Royal Rumble in which the winner will receive a shot at the MLW title. So that's the other news coming out of MLW this week. A two-hour live special. That, that's actually... Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, we talked to we got an email a few weeks ago about kind of matches to check out uh, of MLW. And I think that's maybe the first that was the first show I watched, I think. And it kind of got, a, you know, it kind of got me hooked on the show. So uh, I am definitely looking forward to uh, to this. All right, let's get to some emails. You can email the show at Elite Major Impact at gmail.com uh, again that's elite major impact at gmail.com our first email comes from Stephen perry uh, and steven actually steven sent us a tweet from impact uh, which announced that they are replaying the show at various times including monday at 6 p.m and on the global wrestling network so Stephen, we, we touched on that already but thank you for sending that along um let's see Andrew G sends us an email and says uh, do you guys have any idea what's going on with austin aries it seems a little mm-hmm. weird that nothing has come out after the Bound for Glory main event. Is there any room for him in MLW or AEW? He seems to be he seems like too big of a star to not be on a televised promotion, but maybe he's fine just working indies. Again, that comes from Andrew G. So yeah, uh, Andrew, uh, <laughs> what do you think of Andrew's question on Austin Aries? It does seem kind of weird that that everything happened with with uh, Impact at Bound for Glory the way that it did, and he has kind of disappeared since last November and has not been heard from. You know, that is one of the more stranger wrestling stories, I think, of the past couple of years even. Um, 
I, I was expecting to hear big things what happened after that main event and you know he went into business for himself and it was never really fully settled because I remember just reading like well maybe it was a shoot maybe it was a work maybe it was a little bit of both uh, and it was never really spoken by anyone <laughs> since then I mean he never really went out and said what happened Don Callis never said what happened um, but no matter what it seems like a major missed opportunity for the company to not have taken advantage of it in any way um, I think it's just you know he is notorious for having a bad attitude. Him showing up in WWE is probably not ever going to happen again. I know you never yeah. say never, but he's early 40s. Uh, I just I, I can't see it whatsoever. Him showing up there. AEW, he seems to, you know, he, he rubs people the wrong way. So he's probably not high on their list to bring in if they could just bring in guys who get, you know, that they're they're friends with guys that haven't been. Uh, in other promotions, which they, they're kind of looking for. They're kind of looking for some unknown talent. Um, in Impact, I guess it just depends on how badly they need another top name, which they do, but do you want somebody who's going to go into business for themselves in the main event uh, of a pay-per-view and trust him not to ever do anything like that again? So, I mean, honestly, I do think we'll probably see him in Impact again, um, just because it seems like both sides kind of need each other. Um and I think that's, you know, if you're going to make money, it's going to be in one of those promotions or like an ROH. And he's probably not showing up there either. So he, he's kind of limiting his own options from what it seems. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I think uh, he I mean, logistically, he fits in all those companies. But oh, yeah, I yeah. don't know how many of those companies would trust him, you know, in a prime spot. Uh, if if what we we've been told is true about how difficult he can be to deal with, then I don't see why any of those companies would trust him in a main event type spot. I think you know Impact, like you said, the fact that we haven't heard anything uh, and they didn't turn it into a storyline tells me that there was probably a more shoot aspect to the the way the Bond for Glory main event ended. And you know for the, the conspiracy theorist in me says, hey, if, if that's the truth and he went into business for himself at the end of that show, then maybe that's why he hasn't turned up anywhere else. Like maybe, mm -hmm. maybe other companies are just going, you know what? We can't trust this guy. Um, I, I think the attitude, his attitude is probably doesn't really jive with what AEW is doing. Uh, although, I, you know, maybe he ends up there on a one-off type thing. Uh, who knows? It, it just, it seems like he could fit it, attitudes aside. His style, I think would fit with MLW. I think his style would fit with, yeah. with ring of honor. I think his style would fit with AEW. It's just, you know, is the personality conflict going to be too too great for them to to actually do anything with him? I think you know the thing with Austin Aries is is that he thinks so highly of himself, you know, right or wrong, whatever. He's not going to come in and be like a mid carder for AEW. He's only going to want to be at the top. And if you're say Cody Rhodes or Tony Khan, are you going to want to again? And are you going to want to trust him in that top spot when there's plenty of other guys you already have that you know you can trust and who don't kind of have the baggage? Um, that he has. I, I do recall he, recently he was taking shots at Sammy Callahan on Twitter back and forth. Um, so I don't know if that's potentially setting up something in the future, but he was basically just saying how uh, Callahan, it was very unsafe and, and Callahan, you know, responded, well, you run yourself out of every promotion that you're in. So, um, but if I had to put money on it, I'd say at some point we will see him in impact again. Uh, yeah, that seems to be, what probably makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. And then our, our final email comes from Gareth in Belfast, Ireland. He says, hey, guys, I've been listening to you since the first show oh, wow. uh, as an outlet for Impact Talk, and I've started to watch MLW recently as well. 
Uh, my email is about the odd holding pattern Impact has gotten itself into. In last week's show, we saw the same four guys. We just talked about this. <laughs> in last week's show, we saw the same four guys in the main event. Uh, the ending of the last time ever tag title match ended in a way that was clearly meant, uh, as we're seeing it again at the pay-per-view. The X division is drifting as usual, and the knockouts champion has no logical challenger based on the likely Tessa Gale Kim match they're building. In normal times, this would be frustrating, but it's even worse right now. As they could have easily, if they could have so easily moved the tag titles off the Lucha Brothers and transition to either Pentagon or Phoenix into the main event picture, mm-hmm. not only would you would that give you a fresh tag team situation, the Rascals would have been an ideal match for LAX, uh, but it would also allow you to mix and match those two with Cage, Impact, Cross, Moose, and even Eddie Edwards and Eli Drake to have a couple of upper mid card main event matches. Seems like Impact is holding off and shaking things up too much as if there's something big coming down the line, but I feel like that would be giving them too much credit based on recent history. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, uh, Gareth, I think he's right, Andrew. It, we kind of talked about it earlier in the show, but it does seem like they're in, in a weird – I mean, I think he puts it best – in a weird holding pattern of mm-hmm. the same guys in the same spots and nobody's really moving around and no one's getting elevated. And I don't know really why. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're waiting – to to get on some type of bigger television deal or, or, or what. But yeah, I think Gareth is, is right in the sense that it does kind of feel like they're holding steady, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, I've definitely felt that way as well lately. Um, they're basically having to rely on their writing just to mix things up just because their roster is so limited, but also, uh, as Gareth pointed out, they're, you know, locking up some of their best talent in take teams. And while I usually do believe in, uh, you know, a strong take division, it seems at this point, a guy like Pentagon, uh, or, or Phoenix would be more valuable as single stars because, uh, they provide more star star power that the company desperately needs. And just to break up the monotony of that main event scene, because they, you know, there's not much more they can do with these four guys in any combination whatsoever. Um, you know, ideally, I, I think holding off on Killer Cross versus Brian Cage would have been great, but we've seen him face off so many times and take matches uh, that that was a marquee match that is now gone. So, yeah, um, yeah, they need. They, I mean, it, it as encouraging it is that they sign new wrestlers. I think that's a sign of forward progress. Uh, they need a lot more people just to mix things up uh, and to move forward in any sort of way. Uh, all right, well, that does it for emails, and that uh, pretty much does it for this week's edition of the show, because I'm starting to lose my voice again. Uh, <laughs> but we went almost an hour, so I figured we'd be right around an hour, if not a little bit below, and we're, we're going to be slightly below an hour this week. But is there anything you want to add before we wrap up this week's edition of the show? Um, I don't think so. No, I, I yeah, I'm sorry, I missed MLW as well. Um, so I I'm not fully up on that. I'll try to get caught up for next week. And um, yeah, nothing uh, nothing else on my mind. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Andrew S O U C E K. Uh, if you want to listen to my other podcast, like a horror comedy one, it is the Unexpected Podcast. Um, and otherwise, I think that is it for me. You can follow me on Twitter at Torch McMahon, and that's all I got as well. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the show. Thanks again for listening and downloading and listening to all of our daily casts here at PWTorch.com. And Andrew and I will talk to you next week.